turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be back with you after the Thanksgiving break. We took a couple of days off And I hope that you had a good Thanksgiving, and we have so much to be thankful for, and I hope that you took time to give thanks uh, to uh, your family, your friends, mostly to God. God's who we give thanks to. It's an interesting thing when you think about Thanksgiving is who are we really giving thanks to? Because when we think... When we're thankful for our freedom, we're thankful for a bunch of stuff that, you know, who accomplished that ultimately? Well, the Lord did, and that's uh, that's what Thanksgiving holiday is actually about. It's to give thanks unto God. Anyway, I hope that you took the time to do that, and that that's a continuous action of all of us. Pastor Scott Show number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is only the second time that I've actually taken a couple of days off in a row Uh, since I've been sitting in this chair on this program, and uh, I forgot. Last time was January. It's been a long time. I forgot how hard that is because I love to be with you each and every day and to get your comments on the things going on. So much happened in the news over the last few days. It's hard to sort of get you know, around what really is going on. So kind of to bring us up to speed in uh, Israel, they have been on a pause in the Israel-Gaza war, and uh, some hostages are being released. I guess there is some kind of uh, agreement that uh, there are over 200 hostages taken by Hamas on October 7th. And some of them have been found dead, but uh, some of them now are being released. And I guess uh, the agreement is for every day that there is a a it's not really a ceasefire, not you know officially, but a pause uh, in the war. Ten or so hostages are getting released, and uh, that of course has been really good news for everybody who is a family member of uh, people getting released. And the Israelis are in exchange releasing. Uh, about 30 or about one to three ratio uh, Palestinian prisoners that they have, people who have either been convicted of crimes in Israel or they are being uh, held and charged on crimes and maybe they haven't gone through the court system yet. And some of the people that are being held by Hamas in the tunnels are little kids, uh, four-year-old kids. You got to be careful when you're talking about kids in this because we hear children, but children can mean, children is classified as under 18, and, you know, there's a difference between a, a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old male uh, combatant who is actually a soldier or gone to war in all of this or terrorist, whatever it is, versus uh, somebody who's four or five who has been kidnapped or who is losing their life uh, in Gaza or somewhere else. Uh, President Biden, of course, his primary concern with the hostages has to be Americans. And, and the first releases over the weekend of, of hostages, Americans were not a part of it. But some, uh, including a four-year-old girl named Abigail, was released. To make sure Israel and Palestinians alike live in equal measure of freedom and dignity, we will not give up on working toward that goal. 
Well, thank you very much. But thank God she's home. The little, I just can't imagine the enjoyment. And the, I, I just I wish I were there to hold her. Well, it's, uh, you know, I think we can feel that. But her story is pretty rough because she was her Abigail Eden is her name. And uh, her release is a symbol of, of hope. Uh, she turned four on Friday and spent her birthday in captivity in a tunnel somewhere under hospital, probably, by Hamas. And uh, on October 7th, she was there and watched her mother, uh, Smadar is her name, get shot and killed by Hamas, who broke into her home. And then her father, who was shielding her, was killed moments later. And she crawled out from underneath their bodies. That's the terrible story here uh, of all of this. And then when the militants found her, they took her hostage along with uh, another family living next door. And so for 50 days, she was held like these other hostages. Um, And uh, so she's home, and that's good. She's a dual citizen of Israel and the United States. So she's the first American hostage that was freed by Hamas. Um, and uh, of about 10, about 10 Americans who have been held hostage. John Kirby spoke about this, and uh, when are the rest of the Americans getting out? John, how many Americans are still being held hostage, and do you have proof of life? We think the number is, um, well, it's less than 10, probably in the neighborhood of, you know, about 8 to 9. But we don't necessarily have firm, solid information on each and every one of them. We don't seem to have real solid information. When you say eight to nine, is it eight or nine, right? I mean, it's, uh, I think part of the problem too, and it's uh, just kind of gruesome with all of this, is that there are some people whose remains are not identified. So they're missing, but sometimes missing means they were taken hostage. Other times missing means they're, they went, they fled and they went somewhere and they don't know they're missing. And you know, so it can take some time, and it is a it's a terrible, terrible thing. And but hopefully, we'll get everybody, all of those hostages out. You know, this war ends if all the hostages are released and Hamas surrenders. That ends the war, uh, or it ought to end the war. I think in uh, what people will think. The Israelis have promised that the war will continue at some point, but it's extended. This uh, pause in the fighting has continued for extended for a couple of days. And so that more hostages can be released. And, you know, and it's an interesting thing because there are there are different factions in Israel, the same as there are in the United States whenever we've had this situation. There are, for example, people right now who are against President Biden making any trades with Russia over a couple of journalists that have been kidnapped by the Russian authorities. The Russians are saying that these journalists are spies. Americans are denying it. The newspapers, Washington Post, I think, is where one or both of them work are denying that they're actually spies. Uh, but they've been kidnapped recently. We don't hear much about that in the news. Remember when uh, the uh, ladies basketball WNBA, Brittany Griner, was uh, detained for having illegal drugs, and she did in Russia, but then she was convicted and given nine years, nine years for something that in some places in the United States is not even illegal, um, or anywhere you go is is not that serious, but they put her in for nine years. And a lot of people think that that's because they wanted to get uh, some other people out. And we traded her for a guy who is a murderer. And a lot of people criticize the Biden administration for that. And some people perhaps rightly will say, well, that just give, <clears throat> excuse me, gives them license to take more hostages. And therefore, now you have new uh, these reporters uh, who have been taken uh, by Russia. 
But there's an interesting debate that happens because it's it's funny, these things. When you are not personally involved, you can have strong opinions. You know, my opinion generally is uh, don't exchange, don't do anything with terrorists. Don't negotiate with terrorism. That typically, you know, has been a good policy. But it's hard. And it's hard when there are hostages because you also have families. And would that be my opinion? If my children were taken or if my loved ones were hostages, I'm quite sure that Brittany Griner's family and friends are appreciative that she was released. Um, but I'm also quite sure that the family and friends of the new hostages or, or captives in Russia, uh, that their families are, are not pleased probably by all of that. And, you know, it's a funny thing that whenever we are a part of the conversation, whatever that is, it's a different conversation. You probably notice this when you have your Thanksgiving family or friends come over, right? There might be subjects you don't even talk about because unfortunately we're living in a time where people just aren't friends anymore if they disagree with each other, right? Or what happens if in your family you have different finan- uh, family dynamics? Maybe there's been a divorce or maybe there's an illness. Maybe somebody uh, has come out as gay or maybe there are different opinions about uh, Israel and Hamas from different generations, you know, and there's uh, a conversation that maybe you had uh, with your family that is hard. Were you able to have those conversations? I, we, we need to get to a place where we don't divide, um, meaning I don't mean to not disagree, but I mean that we just can't even relate to each other, where we just don't invite our family or friends to Thanksgiving or Christmas again because we have a political disagreement about something. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. There's a debate in Israel about whether or not they should be trading prisoners for these hostages. Um, there is a sense in Israel, the policy has been for quite a while that we are willing to do that, um, to get people home. And part of it is because there is so much pressure from the families who have their, their relatives missing. And I can understand that. I suppose if it were my family, as much as I may not agree politically that it's the right thing to do, uh, I think I'd be on the phone with the state department. How are you getting my kids out? Right. I would want to know what happens there or or maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would be, you know, I'd be having that conversation, but maybe I would be saying, no, I understand that you don't want other families to go through what I'm going through. And so maybe it's the wrong thing to do to trade. These are hard issues. These are hard things for in this fallen world that we have to deal with because there shouldn't be any hostages anywhere for any reason. There shouldn't be any of this going on for any reason, but it's the world we live in. We cannot pretend that that's not the way the world is. And when it comes to other subjects, how did you do? Did you have conversations or did you, um, maybe it'd be easier to say, did you not get invited someplace that you normally would have been invited because you have a different opinion than the host about a political thing? Maybe it's who you voted for. Maybe it's about what's happening in Israel. Maybe it's about uh, something even more trivial. And you can call and share that if you'd like, 888-528-2557. The best thing to share would be how you overcame it. You know, how did you push through those disagreements? I know people whose families broke up over the 2016 and uh, 2020 elections where it's family and uh, they're not invited uh, to these things anymore. Over that, there, there is something that 
has become acceptable, I think, to people, uh, estrangement. The idea that just to make my point, I'm going to be estranged from my family or other friends um, because I'm right and they're wrong, you know, or their opinion is so horrific or their life is so horrific. I mean, there are certain people you can't invite to your house if they're a danger, you know, an actual danger to your kids. You know, there are people who I would not invite to my house because I think they're a danger to the kids, right? There are places I won't let my kids go because I think, you know, something's going to happen because maybe the parents aren't too uh, involved or maybe the parents are too eager to be friends. You know, and pretty soon I've got, you know, an 11 year old who's, who's had a beer, right? I don't want, I don't want that going on. 888-528-2557. Anyway, it is, it is a um, significant battle going on with whether or not uh, a pause should happen to have hostages released. When you know that hostages are taken, um, for the purposes of probably strengthening Hamas during this break, right? Everybody says on all sides that this allows them to regroup. Um, Hopefully it's allowing people who are not a part of this to flee or find some safe place to go, or hopefully there is an opportunity for um, medicines and other uh, humanitarian aid to actually get to people and not just taken by Hamas, which is typically what happens. Um, but the promise has been that the war will begin again. And I think, because uh, the promise is to, to eliminate Hamas, whatever that means. That's why if Hamas surrenders, if the leadership surrenders, uh, this should end. But uh, I don't know that that's going to happen. 888-528-2557. Were you able to break through some things? You know, Jesus teaches us a lot about why we should be able to sit down and be with people who are our enemies and work it out. Now, at some point, your enemies are are so committed to being your enemies that you can't, right? That that in this case, you know, Hamas's entire purpose is to kill Jews and to destroy Israel, and they don't exist for any other reason. They don't want a two-state solution. They don't want. They don't even want peace. They, you know, they're very open about that. They're they want to do this again and again and again and again. That's what they say, and uh, history has shown them to be uh, good to their word on that. Um, but you know, when you break it down into relationships, there are amazing things that can happen when you take the time to sit down with somebody who for whatever reason has become your enemy and you try to work it out. At some point, both parties have to be willing to want to work it out. A friend of mine who's a pastor, I won't say his name, but he had a terrible relationship with his dad. His mother and father were, um, they were getting, they ultimately got divorced. The relationship was pretty terrible. And this guy, uh, he's a pastor and his dad was in ministry and you know, they would have loud arguments in public. And, you know, people, if they were in their local town, people know who they are, right? And, uh, but they learned something in ministry, something I thought that was really good is that they were estranged for a while. But they told a story of how they forced each other to go to lunch every Friday. And they went to lunch in a restaurant somewhere every Friday and sat in a booth together every Friday. And they said, for six months, we sat in the booth together and we didn't say a word during the whole lunch, nothing. And we just sat there, separately ordered their food, had separate checks, and they didn't say anything. For six months it took. Can you imagine doing that for six months with somebody and you're so angry with each other, whatever the reason, 
whoever is right, whoever is wrong. Typically, there's there's wrong and right on both sides, but not always. Sometimes somebody is the the actual uh, the bigger sinner or the one who's really damaged that relationship. But how important is your relationship that you might do that to your your parents or to your kids, to a friend? Maybe it's a spouse. Perhaps it's a former spouse, but you've got reasons that you you need to reconcile. How many months would you sit in a booth and not say a word and still keep going? Their rationale was, hey, as people who are pastors and people in ministry, not only are we supposed to be an example to the flock, but we also have seen that estrangement, when it happens, is can last decades, even the whole their whole life. And so we just didn't want to be that. As angry as we were with each other, we knew that at the end of the day, this is not a good place to be. And so they had that lunch every day. And after six months, they started to have small talk. And after a couple more months, they started to get into the issues. And years later, today, they are the best of friends. And they worked it out. They still have their differences on different things. But they brought their relationship back together again. Can I encourage you? that if you are estranged, particularly from a family member, you know, sometimes you, you can't be friends with people because they're just a bad influence. Some, you know, there are times when it's better to say, I love you and I forgive you, but we can't be friends. That happens, right? We can't be around each other. But if there's not danger involved, if, and especially if it's something stupid, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's really stupid. I know I met a guy, came to my church. He was an old, old man. He was getting ready to die. And he didn't. He had been estranged from his son for fifty years, and he didn't even know where his son was. Didn't even know for sure if his son was alive. Uh, you know, he's eighty. His son was in his sixties. Could have had cancer. Could have had. You know, who knows? And wanted me to help find him. I couldn't find him. And the reason that they were estranged, the reason, is because there was a dispute about a car payment when the son was in his early twenties about who owed the car payment and who was supposed to pay it. Now, I only heard dad's version of it, the the father's version of it. And if he's telling me the truth, well, yeah, his son was, you know, probably owed the payment. But it was like 200 bucks. And for $200, you didn't talk to your son for 50 years? And he died without talking to him, as far as I know. Um, that's a That's a terrible story. Don't do that. Now, you might be estranged from somebody for really good reasons. Maybe they abused you. You know, maybe they they stole from you or harmed you somehow. That is uh, common. That happens a lot. But you know what? Within reason, you know, there is still the opportunity you have while you're breathing to find reconciliation, to make peace with that person. And... It works out better when everybody says they're sorry, when everybody is uh, repents. It works out much better when everybody turns their life to God, and that can happen. But whatever that is, would you think about it if you've got some relationship that needs to be fixed, and especially if it's over something dumb like you voted for or things like that? Uh, don't let that become something that divides you and your family for every Thanksgiving, for every Christmas, for every Easter, for every birthday. It's not worth it. It isn't. I've been to funerals before, right, where nobody wants to stand up and say anything. Um, and it's 
sometimes it's for a good reason, but sometimes it's not. I think something that we see when Jesus sits down with the Samaritan woman at the well, someone who is uh, an outcast, or where he heals the uh, ten lepers, only one of them comes back and says thank you, but these are Samaritan lepers. When he even says from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, when they're literally murdering him. There is something that we have in the scriptures where it tells us to, as far as it depends on us, to make every effort for peace in the relationship. There is something that we should do. Can I just encourage you to pray about that if that's where you are, or maybe you know somebody, maybe it's not you, maybe it's somebody you know, and you need to go sit in that booth with them and say, hey, and I've done this before, and I'll tell you what, it can work. You sit down with people, you invite and you say, hey, you know what, I'll go with you. I'll go with you and I will sit in that booth. And if you don't say anything to each other for six months, at least we had, you know, let's at least go somewhere where we like the menu. And, but I have seen people reunite after sometimes years of estrangement and they don't always work out the specific issues, but they realize that it's more important to be reconciled than it is to be right. Can I give you that here? It's more important to be reconciled than it is to be right. And maybe that's something that you can pray about with a person that you're thinking about right now. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. When we come back, we'll take your calls and we will talk more about uh, news and things going on, uh, including rest stops in California and Arizona. I've got some thoughts about that. You can follow me right now at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook X and Twitter, or Facebook X and Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Some people on Disneyland's It's a Small World ride got quite an unexpected sideshow today. Witnesses say a man stepped out of the moving ride, stripped down to his underwear, and walked around among the displays, at one point sitting down in a fake lake. All the while, the animatronics are going on around him. Witnesses were heard yelling at him to get down. Anaheim police officers arrived and took the 26-year-old man into custody for indecent exposure and being under the influence of a controlled substance. So that happened at Disneyland uh, yesterday, I guess. You know, I wonder how many of the guests just thought, well, it's Disney. This must be a new part of the ride. (laughs) So this song is going on. And uh, there is a guy who is stripping and walking around amongst all the little dolls and stomping on everything on there. Eventually, he had nothing on. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's the Disney way, I guess, uh, these days. I would have missed it. You know why, Wilbur? Because I would have been taking a nap, which is what I do on that ride. That's the, that is the best napping place in Disney. It is. 11 minutes. I can get out. I can get 11 minutes of a nap in. That or after Pirates of the Caribbean. Right, especially if you get caught up in all those boats down there at the uh, right before that ramp. Uh, That is possible. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It's great to be with you uh, back live after a few days off for Thanksgiving. I hope that you had a good uh, Thanksgiving break. There's a lot of things in the news uh, going on. such a weird—this this always bothers me every year, right? So Friday, you have Black Friday. That's when—the idea is is that that's the day that retail companies get into the black in their budget because of all the shopping that happens on 
that Friday. I don't think it's the same anymore because I think that Black Friday starts weeks earlier, right? That they try to just it, the sales just start earlier and earlier and earlier. I'm not too convinced that their sales are better on that day either. I think they're better like later. Kind of depends on how the season goes. Anyway, you got Black Friday on Friday. Saturday was what? You know what Saturday was? Saturday is Small Business Saturday. And the idea is, okay, so you you shopped at all the big box stores probably on Friday. So go make sure to pay attention to the small mom and pop businesses on Saturday, which is huge for them. I've run a couple of businesses and you go, you know, you need people. It's it's tough. And uh, I think you should do that. And it costs a little more usually because they don't get the bulk discounts. But you you have so many people who... You know, collectively, they hire a lot of people. It matters a lot, the small business. Um, today is is what? So you got Black Friday. You got Small Business Saturday. I don't know what happens on Sunday, except Chick-fil-A is closed and people go to church. Um, as far as the uh, – but if it's a special Sunday for something. Cyber Monday is today. That is supposedly the biggest day for online shopping is today. I don't know if that's true either anymore, but that's uh, that's still the day. What gets to me about all this is tomorrow is Giving Tuesday, that if you have somehow any money left after Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday, if you have anything left, well, then you should give something to charity. That's the, that's the American way right there, unfortunately, is that that seems to be last. I hope that you can you can turn it around and put that the other way. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. President Biden turned 81. 81 years old, President. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, 81. Uh, he is the president. And uh, so that happened while we were on break. And another thing that happened was the 60-year an- uh, anniversary of the Kennedy assassination, the John F. Kennedy assassination. 60 years. Were you around? Some of you were around. Some of you uh, remember where you were, 888-528-2557, if you want to share that story. It's one of those days, right, that for uh, – I was not around, in case you're wondering – uh, I was around for 9-11. I remember that day, like every part of that day, I remember. Like hour by hour, I could probably uh, write out that whole day for you. And there are people around. If you were around when uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated, you remember that day vividly. My dad was telling me, you know, that he didn't have the TV or radio on or anything, but he was at home. And a delivery person told him about it. And he didn't believe the delivery person. The delivery person said, turn on the TV, you'll find out. And that's how he found out. Uh, my mother was working. She worked in uh, downtown L.A. at a, uh, a law office. And uh, they had found out about it um, that way. And they they recalled the stories of that day. And then uh, whenever, uh, what I think the next day, Jack Ruby got shot. Or not Jack Ruby shot, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, I should say. And my dad watched that live you know, on uh, television and called mom to say that that happened. Uh, It's a day that uh, changed the country, of course. There is a program on, I've only seen the first episode, there's three or four episodes. It's put out by National Geographic called One Day in America. And uh, they did, One Day in America, they did one on 9-11 that's fantastic. I think it's six episodes. This one is on Kennedy. It's three or four. And uh, the Kennedy assassination. And it's just really well done. They interview people who are still alive, who were there. One of the people that they're interviewing is the Secret Service agent in charge of Jackie Kennedy. And, you know, 60 years later, it is emotional for all of those people. And, you know, that is a 
significant thing in the life of our country because it's a trauma that everybody went through together. It's something that we experienced to together and that even so for most of us listening, we weren't there that day. We don't have any memory. We weren't alive yet. Um, and we still feel it, right? You you watch those shows and I watch those shows and I get into all of that. You You can feel how things changed you know, that day, just in the same way you can feel how things changed at 9-11 if you were here for that, that you know that September 12th is not the same as September 10th. It's the country's different. Everything changes. This is a terrible thing about about violence and about the world we're in. But a good thing about history, and I was talking about this earlier in the last hour because we I went to the Reagan Library with my parents and just so many things are the same then as they are now, that you know, the world doesn't end when these things happen. As horrific as uh, October 7th is for Israel, you know, it would be the equivalent of, depending on whose math you want to listen to, about thirty-five to 45,000 Americans getting uh, killed in the same day and raped and murdered and you know, all of that. You know, it's going to affect that country forever. And I've done mission trips in um, – I've done mission trips in El Salvador, and the number of people who died in the civil war that they had there in the 70s and 80s or the earthquake, there was a big earthquake that happened there, you know, it affects everybody in the country, changes things in a certain way. You know, for believers, for Christians, there's something to that too. There's something whenever there is a scandal, you know, in the church and and that happens, that affects, you know, all believers, even if you had nothing to do with it. You know, and and churches, you know, they're all separate entities. And just because one guy did something terrible somewhere else, it doesn't really mean anything for the rest of people who are going to church somewhere. However, it's something that affects people's psyche about what the church is, right? There is something that when I was pastoring the church, one of the things that mattered a lot to me was to have the the finances be public. Like if you just came in and wanted to know what our finances were, whether you, I don't care if you went to another church or you didn't go to church at all or you hated God or you, whatever, I was real happy to show you that because I, I knew that because some people in some churches have done terrible things with the finances, that maybe something preventing you from coming to Christ was because uh, some guy somewhere else stole some money, right? And you think that happens everywhere, well, thousands and thousands of churches, and it's not happening most of the time. Um, but it's it's helpful to go ahead and say, you know what, I'll show you just so that you know. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Carolyn and Carson, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, oh, okay. okay, take our speaker. Hello, thank you. Uh, hi, Carolyn, how are uh, you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Hope you are as well. Uh, yes, that is, I think, the earliest thing I remember. And I, it's so odd to tell, um, Pastor, I didn't think everybody remembers because it was just one of those enveloping coast-to-coast, almost shot her around the world thing. The JFK assassination. They, yes, the JFK assassination. First one, then, of course, we had others. One. But anyway, that's the first one. I will never forget it. I was sitting, um, I, was at, I was in junior high school, believe the eighth grade, and it was the lunch hour because we were sitting at the tables because it was cold. It was November then, Cal- Southern Cal, Compton grew up there. And uh, we're all there kind of packed in at the lunch tables because, like I say, it was kind of chilly, so nobody was really playing. And um, we're sitting there, and I remember this uh, girl that I kind of had always admired. 
She was tall, skinny, and had the, exactly, I remember exactly what she was wearing. The, the beautiful coat that zipped up, trimmed in fur, and had the hood, and the hood was trimmed in fur, and she had the hood on. I think, oh, wow, I figured she was, of course, a uh, better standard of living than we were. But uh, anyway, she came, sat down across the and just was bawling, mm. bawling, saying, they killed him, they killed him. And I didn't think anyone was as politically activist as should have been for junior high, and I was not as quick aware. I didn't know what happened. I don't know how she knew, because we were at school, and then, of course, when I came home, we saw it on TV, and I did see the Jack Ruby, like your dad, shot live. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible thing, and you were just a little girl, so you yes, you remember that. You know, it affects you somehow, right, That just that experience and, and all of that. Eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, and uh, thanks for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557 is the number. Ted in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, City of the Angels, how are you, my brother? I'm fine. Were you around uh, for the uh, JFK assassination? That was the year I was born, and that was the, the year that we lost Martin Luther King Jr., and well, his, his was kid. 68. His was 68. Same year as Robert Kennedy was 68. But you would have only been five oh. then. Okay, that's probably why I was confused. Then it was the same as one of the Kennedys. But, you know, I grew up as a toddler, and I always, you know, my dad always had that sort of stuff on. And, uh, you know, um, the Kennedys made you uh, feel blessed to be an American. I mean, that's when political parties really didn't matter. It's what, what his message was. You know, they ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And, you know, they were the equivalent of Camelot. I mean, they were just uh, uh, depict what a presidency should be. And it just kills me that that happened to him. Yeah. And he did die three Lincoln Continental. My uncle had two 63 Lincolns. Yeah. My dad had a I got to go to a break here in a second, Ted. But, uh, you know, even though you were just born... You know, it's something that you heard about from your family. Like, you experienced uh, the, uh, you know, what happened after that. Thanks for calling, Ted. i got to go to a break here. Mario, I'll get to your call when we come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you. You can follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or X-Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. Just look for us at Pastor Scott Show. You can also watch us at kkla.com. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Mario and Whittier, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, Mario. How are you? Yeah, I'm just uh, remembering the fascination of the President Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, I was coming home from uh, lunch. I lived in Monterey Park. I was eight years old. And I walked in the house. My mom was crying. I asked her, what's up? She said that the president just got assassinated. And that's how I remember that day. I'll never forget it. I was eight years old. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so- just like... Uh, it sticks to your mind all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. You never forget uh, those things. It's interesting how some things qualify as something a day you never for, you know, forget. And then there's lots of things that happen, but we, we some of those things escape our minds you know, in our lives. But there are certain things where I think collectively, I think when it impacts the, the nation, 
we tend to remember uh, a little bit more. Uh, yeah, but I just call let you know that that's that's how I remember his assassination. Yeah, thank you, Mario, for calling eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Randy and Irvine, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, hi. Yes, I was alive. I was around when JFK was shot. I was a um, sophomore in high school, and they announced it over the PA system hmm. that President Kennedy had been shot, and then a little bit later, President Kennedy has died. Yeah. So that really hit everybody. Um, you know, and the thing is, if, uh, ironically, I gave a speech to Toastmasters last Wednesday, which was the actual 60th anniversary. Yeah. So I talked about my experiences that day. But, you know, there had been other presidential assassinations, but this was on live TV. Yeah, I think that's a big deal, right? Like we, everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. They were glued to their black and white TVs all weekend with all of the solemn ceremonies. Um, and this was just three months after they had lost their newborn baby. Right. And, you know, this was the first time Jacqueline Kennedy was out with her husband and... It was just a really hard time. Do you think and, it changed um, our country, or is that just something that gets overblown? No, I think it did change our country. Yeah. I think it really did change things. I think they announced on uh, that documentary you mentioned, One Day in America, that it was the end of innocence. Um, because five years later, Martin Luther King was assassinated, and then, of mm -hmm. course, Robert Kennedy. The Vietnam War, I think seemed to escalate. There seemed to be more protests that erupted around the country with flag burning and disdain for our own soldiers going to that senseless war and um, the hippie movement. The whole thing. There's a whole lot of stuff, you know, sexual revolution, a lot, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, I don't know if a that triggered it happened. or if that was happening anyway, you know. Um, I think it, it seemed to increase after that, yeah. or, or maybe we just became more aware of the, all of the negative stuff going on in the world. Maybe so. Randy. But with him, you know, they talked about it as a, as a time of um, Camelot, because things seemed to be going so well. Yeah. He'd done a lot of good for this country. Yeah, it was, uh, it's definitely changed things, I think, the whole decade did. Randy, thanks for calling uh, the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. You know, we, we do romanticize it a little bit. If you study history in the time, there were, you know, people, were, there were Democrats and Republicans. And actually, John F. Kennedy barely won election. A lot of people don't know if he would have won re-election, um, you know, if that would have happened. He was popular, I think, personally in a lot of ways, but he was unpopular for some other reasons. Part of it was generational, but there were some things that were different. I think the biggest difference was, you know, I think Ted in the last section mentioned, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. You know, everybody rallied behind that. In a way, President Reagan spoke that um, whenever he took office in uh, 81. Um, but we and we need that message now. We're so divided for so many things. And the divisions that came after that were incredible. But there were some other good things going on. There was there was definitely good movement in the civil rights movement and good things scientifically happening with uh, space race and everything that came out of that. You know, there were some good things happening where at the same time there were bad things happening culturally. It's, and that's an interesting study, a little bit maybe more than we can do right now. But when you look at that era and you look at the sexual revolution and what happened with Vietnam, the trust and loss of trust in our government, 
uh, through Vietnam and some of the things that happened with that. And and then the violence that we would see on television or that people experience with the assassinations during that period. There is something that happens, I think, when we see evil. It affects us in a way. And, and sometimes it drives us to the truth, okay? Sometimes when we see horrendous things happen, it drives us to to seek what is true, to seek a hope that is beyond the hope of our government or even the hope that our country offers or other things. And that's good. We should do that. Uh, I hope that that is where we're headed right now with uh, the divisions and the uh, insane year that I think we're going to have in 2024. It could be that we come to a realization that looking to ourselves for our own definitions of who we are and who we want to be and what the world is like doesn't work that the world is the way it is and that there is truth out there, including spiritual truth, and that you need to seek that. That when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, that he was telling the truth, that when we seek that first, everything gets better. That when we don't seek that first, nothing works. It just, you, you can't sustain that. And I hope that people listening rededicate or dedicate for the first time uh, their hearts to the God who created them and the God who sent a Savior, Jesus Christ, to die for their sins. You know, the spiritual angst that you might have that you carry around with you, the response that you, you have to different things. Somebody, you know, you owe something for that. That's why you have angst. And people in every culture try to work out that angst somehow. They try to work out why it is that they uh, feel this spiritually and they invent different things. Well, you know, the Bible teaches this. What we learn through the life of Christ is that in the Christmas story coming up is that God sent his son in the world to deal with all that, that he would die on the cross for your sins, that he would come up out of the grave three days later, proving that he was the sacrifice for sins, that he was innocent and defeated the penalty of death that everybody deserves, and that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, that you don't save yourself, that you don't have to be... um you don't have to earn it somehow, that you get it because you have faith in what Jesus did for you. And there is a path to that. When we, when we see the evil that happened and the different things in the world, we see all kinds of things that confuse us if we don't think that evil exists, that confuse us if we think that all people are basically good, that confuse us if we think that all you got to do is really deal with certain problems and then everything in the world will work out. It doesn't work out. It doesn't do that. Let me take one more call on this. Uh, Lena and Van Nuys, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Thank Hi, you for uh, taking my call. Yes, I would like to share uh, when President Kennedy died. I was in third grade yeah. in the Philippines. Hmm. And uh, I was very young, of course, and they told us it was the opposite of the time difference. And we were told, I was in a Catholic school, and we were told to kneel down and, you know, like reflect yeah. and pray. And I didn't understand what it meant. I mean, but it's etched in my mind. I remember that. And I know President Kennedy through school. And when I became a Christian and now live in the United States, uh, my whole point is that I did not understand what we were praying for at that moment. Hmm. And now I do, because as you said, you know, it's, it's um, being Christian. We know, we know the path of, of righteousness and we know 
we know revelation and by by we're not supposed to pray for those who have passed but for what is left here and what we could do going forward you know in in the doctrine that is true which is you know that jesus I I don't know exactly how to explain that. Yeah, I think I know what you're saying, though. We want to live through true, what is actually true in in doctrine and belief. And we need to sort out, you know, wherever we disagree on those issues, somewhere there's truth, right? Maybe we'll never know uh, everything. We can't understand everything that God's doing, or otherwise we'd be God if we could fully understand who he is, right? Exactly. And at the time when I was, I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. When I was little, I didn't. You know, it was yeah. a Catholic school. I'm not running down the Catholic religion. I was educated there first. But now I know that the doctrine was not real, was not true. Well, and, and yeah. Yeah, I understand I, what you're saying. It's important that we get things right. Thank you, Lena. Appreciate your call. That we recognize, uh, even in the midst of things that maybe Christians disagree on, I think that when we see these things that have happened in our life, whether it be the Kennedy assassination or the other ones, uh, or, or we see 9-11, we're seeing what's happening in Israel right now, it reminds us that evil is real. And if evil is real, then you've got to ask yourself, is there a solution? You know, is, are we just doomed as humans to eventually destroy ourselves, right? And science tells us that eventually the Earth's going to blow up anyway, because the sun's going to blow up and the solar system will be gone. That's the only hope you get from all of that. Is there hope beyond that? And I say yes. And the hope is in Jesus Christ, that the forgiveness of sins, that whether you say you're a sinner or not, helps if you get married. Ask your spouse if you're a sinner. You'll find out you are. Um but the spiritual angst, the sense that we have where we are looking for what's true, that gets resolved in Jesus Christ because he comes here to be with us. And if you wonder why the Israel story is so important, why it's so hard to not deal with that on the news or on our program or maybe in your conversations at Christmas uh, and Thanksgiving, it's because that little country is the center of all things that ultimately are going on in the world. And why? The the reason is because God made it that way. It's outside of our control. And you should pay attention to that because in that and in the story of history that's related to all that is where you learn about salvation, who we are, why we're here, why we have trouble, and how we get out of it. And that's done through Jesus Christ. All right, we're out of it, out of time for today. It is, I'll see you tomorrow, Pastor Scott Show from 3 to 5. Everybody have a good night. God bless.